This episode of Tuesdays with Laserbeak is brought to you by our good friends at Copycats Media. I've been working with Copycats for like close to 15 years now, it feels like. And they've been our go-to company um, for all the CDs and the vinyl that we've printed up over the years. The thing I really appreciate about Copycats is how hands-on they are. Um, when we're in the middle of putting a record together, I'm talking to them multiple times a day. We're going through artwork, design, printing, packaging, shipping, um, getting things to distribution on time. And they're kind of holding my hand every step of the way. So regardless of what level you're at, if you're interested in printing up physical CDs, physical vinyl, um, I would totally recommend hitting up Copycats. It's copycatsmedia.com and they are the best. This episode of Tuesdays with Laserbeak is sponsored by Twin City Tees. They are the greatest. They make all of the Doomtree merch um, and all the different stuff that all our artists use. Anything from like screen printing, uh, t-shirts, posters, hoodies. They do embroidery for your hats or whatever kind of crazy uh, jacket you want. Um, basically, anything you can dream up in the land of merch, Twin City Tees has got you covered. And I really cherish our relationship with them. They've gone above and beyond for us. I've seen them do it for a lot of other people. Um, and they're always a phone call away. So make sure you check out TwinCityTees.com or at TwinCityTees on socials. If you have anything you're looking to get made, those are your people. And they will ship it out to you and absolutely crush it. So lots of love to them. And thank them. I thank them. I'm thanking them for sponsoring this podcast. Jacob popping in here real quick to just say, Laserbeak and I forgot to record an intro once again. Our guest today is Icetep, also known as Gabe. Laserbeak and Icetep together are Nightstone, so if we jump in abruptly, it's because we completely forgot an intro. But anyways, here's the episode. Hope you enjoy it. How how you doing, dude? I know it's a tough question to ask these days. No, it's a it's a good thing to ponder. Um, you know, I think I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. I feel very fortunate. Um, my apartment is doing great. Uh, you know, our neighborhood is pretty. You know, everyone is wearing masks. Uh, stores are still open. Um, yeah, I'm feeling very fortunate. That's awesome. We actually so for those that, that are unfamiliar, I step and myself together are the duo Nightstone. We have just released our debut album on Doomtree Records, self-titled. Um, it's a it's a production collaboration that's been long in the making. Um, the album features four incredible vocalists, um, and it's one of my favorite things that I've ever been a part of making. So I'm. It's cool to be able to kind of use all these different platforms to talk about it and um, and do it in real time because. Honestly, the last time I saw Gabe, 
it was right before all this stuff popped off and you had flown in for like one day to finish mixing the album. Um, and that was like right when it was starting to be like, ooh, maybe flights are going to start to be canceled and stuff. Yeah, I think that was the end of February. Um, I wore like an N95 mask. I'd had some um, just in the house for when we had to do construction. Uh, and I just wore one through the airport and back and, you know, thankfully felt fine afterwards and still doing yeah. fine now. Love it. I love that. Um, have you gotten into anything super weird since you've been locked up in your house or it's been weird for producers and, and myself. Like I'm already such a homebody or like, you know, basement dweller by nature. Uh, that hasn't been the hardest part for me. Have you found yourself getting into anything, going down any crazy rabbit holes or anything? Well, uh, you know, I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. So this right. is actually a great mm-hmm. time. This is a great time for the Dungeons and Dragons community. I mean, yeah. it's a terrible <laughs> time for humanity. Right. But like us as the like underbelly of humanity. The <laughs> is thriving right I now. Think. Yeah, there's so much time. People like have a lot of free time. So it, it's been great. I've, I've wanted more D&D in my life ever since I moved to L.A. And I'm finally getting it, so. I got my, well, I shouldn't say I, I'm taking all the credit here. Paper Tiger actually bestowed upon me his old Wii, Nintendo Wii system, mm-hmm. uh, like oh, five yeah. games and, and all that. And so I had, I had brought that home from the last time Shutters was in New York as like a Christmas gift for the kids. Um, and I had collected dust, of course, until like a week ago. And now it's all they think about day and night. And, <laughs> None of us are very good at it or very coordinated um, to pull it off. And so it's become like a full-time job just to like blow on the, the game discs and hope to God that, that the machine turns on. So I both am very thankful for Paper Tiger and also half the time kind of scheming on how to bury that thing in my backyard. How about you, Jake? Are you getting into um, Fortnite or anything? Uh, no, not Fortnite. I was, I was playing Animal Crossing, but I'm my... The ADHD means that my interest uh, comes and goes, and so I'm kind of to the point where I'm already uh, over it. It's been like a month, and I was like, okay, and now I'm done with this thing. Um, so I haven't been. Yeah, I'm done with it. I'm over it for now. We'll see. Maybe, maybe my interest will peak again. Wow. But I'm, I'm. Yeah, don't, done with it. Don't, uh, don't delete the app off your phone or anything. No, 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 no. Come no. back to it. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's only two kinds of Animal Crossing players: the kind that like, you know, can play it for five minutes or. The, the other kind. Yeah. That's how I feel about mayonnaise. That's how I've always ex- expressed my, my distaste for mayonnaise is that you either like love it and, and put it on everything or you absolutely would rather rotten hell wow. than even like take a whiff of it. And that's, and I'm on the rotten hell side for sure. A lifelong mayonnaise detector. You've got a lot of like really strong uh, opinions about really specific things, Beak. <laughs> I, I do. I do, and uh, and they do not change. The one thing in my life, I, I, I'd like to think that I've changed a lot and will continue to change and grow uh, late into my life, um, Lord willing. But the one thing that has not changed since day one has been um, it's like a true, actual hatred for mayonnaise. So, all right, this is good. I feel like we got the basics sorted. We've learned about D&D, mayonnaise, Animal Crossing. Um, game Holy Trinity. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. We got to cover our bases. Um, Gabe, you're actually probably closer in age to Jacob, which is a rarity 
usually on our podcast. Usually it's me and other elders uh, discussing like MySpace and platforms that Jake has never heard of. Um, <laughs> but Gabe, you're mid twenties. Yep, I am the latter half of the mid twenties. Okay. All right. Well, then you guys, and I've always looked to Gabe as like uh, someone that's filled in on like the new stuff that's going on on the internet. So I couldn't sound more older than I am right now, but uh, <laughs> it's exciting because Jacob does the same thing. So if we go into like a Tumblr uh, wormhole, I'll, I'll be very excited. Yep. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of how me and you met, and I feel like it's actually because I found out that you were Paper Tigers. You're somehow you're somehow related to Paper Tiger of Doom Tree, right? Yeah. Um, it. So when I was like, I don't know how old I was. I was younger than I am today. Um, my family has this big like reunion. Uh, just like hundred like hundred people come. Um, and one year, my grandpa, who's recently passed away, uh, was talking to me about my cousin, John, he's like, you know, John, John, like he's in this group called tree. Something. <laughs> and I was like, tree. you mean doom tree? And he's like, yeah, that's it. Um, and I was like, wow, that's, that's really crazy. Like I, I think I had just gone to doom tree blowout and I was like, wow, that was a really cool show. And so it was like the summer after that. And yeah, he was like, yeah, John is your cousin. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. So I think I reached out to him and was like, hey, I'm just starting to, you know, work on music on a computer. And he was like, yeah, send me some stuff. And I think that's sort of how it started. So, yeah, that's how we were like, oh, God, Pace has like a a hidden cousin that is actually making beats and lives in Minneapolis. Um, and so that was my initial introduction to you. And then you were working with, um, a long friend Tony in yes. Hill Street, right? So yes, shout out to Tony Describe. Absolutely. Um, he's a really cool uh, Minneapolis artist and just wise person. Man, activist, and yeah, he is. is an also has a podcast. Yes, he does. Yeah, yes, also has a very good podcast. Is it called, it's called What's, it's called What's Up, Man? Yeah, What's Up, or Man? What's Good Man? Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. And check it out. I haven't listened to a podcast besides ours ever, so this could be my second foray <laughs> into that world. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a good one. Um, they, I know him and Guante have been talking and deconstructing like masculinity, and it's really cool to hear their, oh, their, their voices on that. I love that. I, I remember Tony from a very, as a very young Tony, uh, he would like come to Soundset and give us burn CDs, and I swear to God, he was like nine years old at the time. Um, yeah, it sounds exactly correct. Yeah, <laughs> so, but yeah, I remember like Sound Gallery. We ran into you guys. You were working on your record, and mm-hmm. then and then what happened? Because then eventually, it was like a lot of the Doomsky guys started working with you, like especially Finn, because mm-hmm. um, you ended up. Where, I think you, maybe the first time you popped up on credits for a Doomsky album was that more than ever. Uh, so the first thing was the Field Notes EP from I think twenty fourteen. Yeah, amazing. Which song did you do on that? You did the... Uh, they Don't Work For Us, I think it was called. Yeah, it absolutely was. Mm-hmm. The banger. Yeah, and then after that, uh, you know, he talked to me about bringing me on for more production for the More Than Ever album, which is, I think, the first time I ever worked with you Yeah, on anything. 
yeah, at that point, 2015 or something. Exactly right. Exactly right. Because I had, you know, me and students had done Dead Time 2 together, and then with, um, with more than ever, it ended up kind of becoming a, a, a trifecta of me, you, and Paper Tiger that kind of did the bulk of that record. And um, not only us separately, but me and you actually got to at least work on one, one or two songs together. I know we did Shaking in My Sheets. So that was the first time where I was like, oh, cool. I hadn't really even um, explored co-production as far as like sending stems back and forth and and that kind of stuff too too much and even the doom tree collaboration stuff was more in person up, up to that point um so it was a it was a cool it was like oh hey i just met this guy and now we just are like buds making heaters buds yeah. making heaters that should be the that'll, that'll be in our press kit <laughs> cool you can put that as the title of this episode buds yeah making buds, heaters. Making, buds heaters. making heaters i like it Noted. Um, and then, and then through that, you've worked with everyone. You, you've got credits on the Four Fifths album. Um, you did A Song and Chime by Dessa. Uh, yeah. You've worked with Astronautilus. You've worked with someone. Tell me if I'm forgetting anything. All this to say, Ice Cap is, is a, a present, a heavy present. Oh, oh, that's, that's too much. <laughs> and he's really good at D&D. So he's got, you know, he's multifaceted. Uh, yeah. But that was how, like, when you were making your first stuff, how old were you? Are we talking like high school? Yeah. I mean, I think I was able to start using a computer when I was like 12. My parents got a computer that I could use for like mm-hmm. music. Um, and I would just, I think it was like garage band. I remember going over to some of my friends' houses that had a Mac, and I would just like make stuff with the loops in GarageBand, and I was like, "Oh, this is so sick! Like, I'm making all these things with loops. Like, it sounds awesome." So I, was, I think I was like 12. Okay. And then I got a lot of. Yeah, I had I had played piano um, for a long time before that. Uh, my family is pretty heavy on like pushing this musical education. So I'm very thankful and you know fortunate to have that um, support when I was like growing up. Oh my god, um, no, no question. I just pulled out my alto saxophone for the first time in like a quarter of a century yesterday and tried playing it. But it was the same deal. I was kind of not for, kind of forced to like you know pick an instrument, mm-hmm. and I'm so thankful that I was pushed in that direction. Yeah, so I definitely can't... wouldn't be where I am now without like uh, you know my family. They weren't like super strict but it definitely was like I had to practice a lot yeah um, and that really helped you know shape my just view of working just like work ethic and then also just um, just being determined yeah same goes for like the way that I look at collaboration in music is the same way that a lot of people talk about um, team sports and how important that is um, and I think those go hand in hand and I see like the beauty in both of those things but that's kind of what band was for me. Um, anyway, shout out band teachers and band programs and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. music education, difficult, not a lot of money to keep it going, but anyone that's trying, it's a very noble path. Um, so you did have some piano background. And then you get into yeah, I, the computer. Yeah, I get into the computer when I was like 12, and then it's basically all downhill from there. So. <laughs> 
at what point in like GarageBand loops are you at that point are you because the thing that I love about your production is you've done you've always been all over the place but like the big song um, more than ever was like sounded like an insane drum and bass song at like this 180 BPM tempo and we're like oh my god that's, that's drum and bass and we're like actually Gabe might be young enough to not have really experienced drum and bass um, and so you're you're taking from like all sorts of different electronic music this is just my take on it. But then there's also like really crazy rap stuff in there and you can go into like indie pop almost. And then the Nightstone thing is a great example because that's like essentially like French house or electro or whatever. Um, was the first stuff you were making in GarageBand a specific type of sound or were you just like messing around and having your mind blown? Um, I was kind of just experimenting more than anything. Um, you know, just trying to get stuff to sound cool together was really the driving force behind my initial, like, exploration of creating electronic music. And then as I, like, got older, I started learning about different genres. And, like like you said, I'm, I'm not old enough to have known drum and bass when, like, people were going to rave in, like, the 90s and the, yeah. I guess, the 80s. Yeah. Um, like, I was, like, seven. Probably right. when I first heard drum and bass, you're like, you're, you're not going to take a seven. Yeah, you're not going to take a seven year old to a rave. I mean, maybe you'd be surprised, <laughs> but sure. In the nineties, a lot of a lot of things flew flew under the radar. Uh, I myself have never actually been to a rave. I went to one after they were like over, and it was, it was like a bust, and everyone paid to get in, and there was like there was no booze, there was no drugs. There was like one guy in the corner tattooing people, which looked shady, <laughs> and then. The like, this was still when like you didn't really know what DJs looked like, so they would just throw like the biggest DJ name on the flyer, and then it would just be like somebody's buddy from high school, you know, on a DJ. So I, I very much did not experience a cool rave. I'm, I'm with you on that. Jaka, did you go to any raves? Uh, no, I've never been to a rave. I've been uh, there. There have been like a few occasions where people. It's always like weird, like there's supposed to be some rave at a warehouse in like Shakopee at like three in the morning. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm very tired and I do not want to do that. No, thank you. Yeah, exactly. I'm getting up in two hours. Um, well maybe that's like when, when this is all over and we get to go out again, um, maybe that should be high on our list. That'll be like a Tuesday to Tuesday podcast field trip. Oh, I'll bring a mic. I'll document the whole process. Yeah, we're talking the whole thing. We can like find the the hidden shop if you raise. Okay, so you're going through the loop, and then you're starting to. Is it is it Tony that you meet after all that? Like once you're starting to really develop beats and things like that, is Tony your guy? Yeah, I mean, I knew Tony again through like some program, some school program. Shout out to Minneapolis Public School. Yeah, um, I knew him through some school program, and he was like rapping at the time. And yeah, I just, I went and was like, hey man, I've been working on some beats. And it felt really weird to say because I was like, do I get to say that I'm making beats? Like, am I, yeah. like, someone should be able to, like, be in this space? And he was really supportive and, like, helped me understand positionality in being, like, a, a white passing artist in a space like hip hop. So, yeah. Shout out to him for that. Yeah. I think, oh man, I, I can't relate more. Like I, I, I feel very fortunate too to have people that welcome me into a space that is so clearly not my own culturally and kind of taught me along the way. Um, 
and it made me feel welcome, but also, you know, I, it was known. I, I understood that I was a guest, and I, and I know that now, too. And that is not always known by everyone that, that jumps into this stuff. Um, and I just think it's so important to be able to take stock and recognize that, like, you are you are being welcomed into something that is, is not yours. Um, yeah, 100%. Um, well, we, I'm trying to say, I, I jump around a lot on these conversations, but we alluded to, yes, we, we kind of met as, a, as collaborators through the, through the Sims record. And then I feel like it wasn't that long afterwards where I was like, man, have you ever listened to house music? Because I haven't, and I just discovered it way too late. And now my whole mind has been boggled. Um, yeah, so I remember that text conversation, actually. You texted me one day, and you were like, like I, like I just got on an elliptical, like I've been jamming on this house music, and I was like, dude, like I've I've never wanted to make house music more than like this stage, <laughs> and I was I had, like, let's go for it. Yeah, I had somehow, well, yeah, I you know it was, a, it, was it was definitely part of a workout plan. I had bought like a cheap elliptical at Walmart or something, and I had found that like my internal pulse or whatever, like 120 to 130 BPM is like how my body wants to move in a cycle. And I couldn't find rap music that was fast enough. And all the R&B music I was into was slow. I don't know. I think it was this album by Classic that I love and adore. And it, it, it kind of mm-hmm. opened up. Um, and I always loved, I found I would go back to that Daft Punk album, Discovery. I think it was the second one, maybe. Maybe. Um, from like early 2000s. And yeah, we had been talking about other stuff, and and I just reached out. I was like, "Dude, how do you make this stuff?" And we kind of decided that we would learn together. And I don't. It's, then it's foggy to me of like how that starts. Because did you make you had some stuff, right? Were you like, yeah, oh, I actually have a in college. Thing. Yeah, in college, um, you know, I wasn't a DJ, but a lot of my friends were DJ, so I would make edits, and I would just like make just bad house I, I think it's okay to call it bad house music at that point but i had a lot of like ideas i had a lot of like things that we could like sort of cannibalize like take parts of a song like the melody or take like a bass line and then basically just like have a have a mulligan just, like do it over um so i think i sent you like a number of tracks that i was just like hey man like i have all these that are like you know in various stages of completion you know maybe you'd want to like make them send for these. And then I think the first sort of thing we would do is just send, like you would send me some stems. I would edit the stems, put it into like the Ableton session or whatever. And then I would send it back and then you'd make some edits and then like just sort of back and forth like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The game of tennis. Well, I was excited yeah. because I, I had no idea how this is where game sampling comes in handy, but he's definitely the, the, the synth guy on the site. So I'm you listen to it. Like this the chord progressions and things like that is that's like your realm, I feel like. And I, I tend to go more towards the STEM stuff where it's like some ear candy and percussion and things like that. The, the like stuff that fills in the gaps. But, but I had just been working in that way with paper tiger a bunch for shredders and finding like a, a new rhythm of, of making stuff where it's like, you don't have to create an entire song. All of a sudden the, the weight is lifted almost and you're like, okay, I got this idea and I can send it over to my guy and he can work on it, send it back and it changes. And it's just really 
um, kind of, I don't know what, addicting process because it's, it, it's always in a state of flux. And, um, and since like we've, you've, you've sent me a lot of demos, like a lot of the songs on the Nightstone project, um, started as your demos too. Like, uh, the song that eventually became Night Rider, which at this time of recording has just, just been released. And the yeah. time of this podcast releases will be on the full album. Yeah. Dropping on May 15th on. Yeah. May 15th. Record. record. Just, just a little, just a little plug there. <laughs> oh, um, we're going to drop it. So like that, that song started, you know, you sent me, I think like various different like arrangements of some musical ideas you had come up with. And then I was like, this is amazing. Like, I don't even think I need to add that much to this one. And I think I just added like a pad and then like helped sequence it a little bit, but it was, yeah, I mean, it's been a very cool influx process of like sometimes, you know, the roles that we have um, in this like creative process sort of change and like are determined by like what the energy of the track that we're working with. It's been cool because I've, I came up in bands, like uh, playing a guitar band, right? And so when I moved into production, it was this really freeing feeling because for the first, I talk about this a lot, but for the first time, like, no one could tell me they didn't like the bass line or the, the the bridge or whatever that I wrote. When you're in a band, it's like a full committee, right? And so things get mixed or people don't like certain things. And so being like a solo producer, I was the whole band was this really free thing and allowed me to kind of explore a bunch of ideas. Um, but like anything, it's going to get stale at some point. So for the long, you know, probably for the first decade of making beats, I didn't want to collaborate, I think, a lot because I didn't know how. Um, but also because I was so, I was clinging on to that, like, freedom. Um, and then it's just been really cool in the last decade to, like, push through that and realize that there is so much you can also achieve with somebody else. And, and you, that's what's been, like, to me, the biggest carrot, I think, in the last 10 years of my musical life has been, like, these types of collaborations because it's, it's somebody else pushing. It's like when you have a, I don't know, talk about working out a lot in this episode which is weird very weird um but it's like when you have a gym buddy like i'm not gonna well let's not say me but you're not gonna go to the gym as often as you would if you had a buddy being there to like make sure you show up and, and have accountability and i like the accountability of collaboration as well yeah you're talking you're you're talking a lot about working out beak um you're <laughs> you're you're big a talker about working out you're a big, I'm a talker. big talker. I have a. <laughs> I have, that thing is downstairs. Maybe I need to. Maybe on release day, I make a scene. I need to hop on the elliptical and just burn off some calories to the night nice That'd be like a full circle. Live stream that. Um, yeah, live stream that. Instagram live. Yeah. Yeah. Go on Instagram, yeah, go on Instagram live. live. Yeah. We'll premiere. It is Thursday night. We premiere the entire record, uh, and the feed is just a very up close of me. And my um, bald head with my um, bright yellow sweatband headband. Um, um, okay, so uh, then, so then the first it. time, the first time I, as uh, just an audience member, the first time I heard about Nightstone was, and this might not be the first time that you guys release something or announce anything, but it was at Doomtree Forest, which was like September of 2018, because. You guys, like, there was sets of all the Doomtree artists, and then I remember, like, Nightstone being a thing, and I was like, what is Nightstone? And now, we're, you know, almost two years later, now 
there's an album. So how long how long have you guys been sort of like sitting on songs or considering releasing things? Man, it's been a minute. I gotta say that's like like at least almost four years I've been starting this project. Wow. Yeah, I I think it was like late 2016. Um, we started talking about the idea of doing a project like this, and you know, 2017 was a lot of like sort of just spending, like you said earlier, playing tennis, just like spending stems back and forth and spending, um, you know, projects back and forth, and then then it, then we got to like a critical mass of tracks, which I think was like 20 or something yeah. on tracks, and we were like, let's let's start thinking about putting this out, and then. You know, of course, life happens. Um, but then, you know, we kind of get back in the groove of things in early 2018, and then we talk about the Doomtree Forest, and then sort of things are starting to pick up steam again. So, yeah, it, and then from there, the last, like, 20 months or something, we've just been sort of, like, thinking about, like, the best way to release it as an EP, as an LP, just, like, what to do, really, with the material that we've created. You know, I remember playing the tracks for people, and a lot of people thought, and these are really good, but it would be cool to hear some vocals on it. So it went from an instrumental project then to this idea of like, oh, I wonder what these would sound like with vocals and what type of vocals and who should we ask? And that's a whole, you know, trying to, trying to find that in a world that you've already built can take time. Um, but yeah, I would say this last year is when the vocal features really started popping up. And that was like the, the last, like final huge breath of, of pressure, I think, that like pushed it over the edge. We, should we talk about the singers on this thing? Sure, yeah. We've got, so yeah, what was initially going to be a full instrumental creation is now turning into basically, I think there's maybe three instrumentals, but the bulk of the album is, uh, is vocally, you know, vocal features. Lady Midnight and Sophia Aris are kind of these foundations of the record and they each pop up on like four or five songs one song even together um just on dreams two and so they're like they are the voice of the record this is the first time really talking about this project to be honest with, with anybody even if it's just with ourselves um <laughs> but um that's such like a cool foundation so they anchor the record and then we have Kenny lena um the lead singer and co-writer of felisa who we've had on the podcast as um well, actually, we've had all three of those guys on the podcast. Um, mm -hmm. Who comes in for Night Rider? And we have Mike or M M Y Y K K of my favorite Minnesota band, Astro Black, um, who pops up on a song called "Be Loved." And so you have these like, you know, four voices that kind of float in and out. And I could not be more happy with how that turned out. Like I, I. It's one thing when, when me and Gabe are playing tennis and, and I get his stems back, I'm like, oh my God, now it's a song. Um, but like, especially for, I remember vividly with Lady Midnight when she sent back the vocals for Echo Love. I was, I think I listened to it like 25 times in a row. I was like, I can't even believe I'm a part of this in any way. This is my favorite type of music ever in the world. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. Um, yeah, you said it really well. Uh, the vocalists really added another dimension to the music. So it was interesting to like change the song as we got the vocal treatment to really fit around the vocals and what the vocalist would bring to the track. Yeah, it was just such a cool thing to be like truly wowed every time something came back. Once those vocals started coming in, um, 
that was the first time I was like, oh, this is a this is a body of work. And then the coolest thing was the kind of the intro and the outro of the record kind of come together at the end there where we're like, oh, this really is a full length album. And I'm such an album guy. Yeah. And I think like the intro, especially that intro and the outro, you know, when, once we sort of decided, all right, these are going to be the first and final tracks, we can kind of like craft some vibe around them to sort of introduce and then sort of like let the listener go on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, so like making the intro, once we knew that um, In Real Life was going to be the first track, um, you know, I, I had been listening to John Carpenter's Escape from New York soundtrack um, just on my running or moving around my neighborhood. And I was just really excited about creating like a song that was an intro. So I'd spent a lot of time thinking about it and workshopping. And then eventually I sent like a draft to you. And I was just like, man, I hope you like this. This is like so much different than other things we've been working on. Um, and then, you know, we sort of workshopped it from there. And yeah, I, I think it really is a cool way to like start the project. Yeah. It's like a bang. It's like a, yeah. It, it's, it's so cool. It, it almost reminds me a little bit of referencing the same people, but that first Justice album, um, it just kind of like, it feels like an arrival. Like you put it on and you're immediately like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm in this thing. I think what else? We talked a lot about everyone. I know the record just came out. I want everyone to listen to it. I'm going to shamelessly plug my own, uh, group on my own podcast. It feels like this is, this is where it's going. Uh, it's been tough because a, a lot of artists, you know, when we go through crazy global times like this or, you know, mass sadness and grief and loss. Um, I think the same thing happened, not that they're the same, but a very similar thing happened when Trump was elected where everyone kind of stands up and says, oh, well, this is really bad, but there's going to be so much great art that gets made from this. And maybe this is actually, there's a silver lining here and let's look to the artist to be our voice. And that can put, as an artist and as someone who, who manages or works with a lot of artists, I can put like a lot of really weird mental load on something that, that you do, um, by no means trying to, to put artists on like a pedestal here. But, um, but I remember Dessa asking like really, um, truthfully, like, is there anyone you know right now that is inspired to make art right now in this quarantine? Like, and, and she was asking because she just hadn't felt that at all. Um, and I, I've, I've felt a lot of times the same way, especially when it comes to like starting from nothing and being like, I'm going to write this magnum opus about hope or, you know, fear or death or, um, it's really in the same way that a lot of people don't want to answer their phone or, or write an email. Um, I felt at least it's the same for, for music, which, you know, as you referenced, like having, having something to do that isn't so big picture that's kind of been like STEM work for me where it's like, okay, I can still set aside some time on the weekend to add some things to something that Gabe has already started or to start a small thing for Gabe without having to like have the mental capacity of finishing a five minute thing. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I think it's really hard to be creative and to, you know, cause a lot, I, I don't know about you, but for me, my creativity comes from like a positive energy like why in service of this positive energy 
and it's hard to focus that right now. Like the refraction of that positive energy into music is like warbled or it's like, yeah, it's not as precise as it is when there's not like all of this social pressure to like make sure you hide, like have proper hygiene in public or like you'll die. It's just a lot, you know? Yeah, totally. It's coming from, so from all sides. Totally. Yes. So having like music be something that you can use to like, like you were saying, like if you don't do it, you're crabby. Like, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't in a position to be able to be creative. Like it's all I think about. Um, and to me, that isn't just like, all I'm doing is sitting or I have a standing desk, but I'm just standing, you know, at the computer, like writing melody or writing songs or, you know, deconstru- doing research or whatever. It, it's got to be like a, a whole bigger picture. Totally. I'm sorry. Uh, Blue, Lou wants to make a healthy milkshake right now, which I, I have a hard time believing will be anything <laughs> healthy inside of that. Mika, how has that been for you juggling, you know, obviously you, you work in radio and in podcasting um, as a day job. As a producer, like, do you get that that same, like, um, reward when you finish an episode of something or, or, or things like that? Like, are you drawn to that, driven by that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, for me, I think that at least this, like, with Tuesdays with Laser Beak, we've gotten to the point where I think we're, like, we have a rhythm, and so editing the episodes kind of becomes a rhythm thing, so it becomes more of, like, a... It becomes more of, like, a work thing than it does, like, a creative endeavor all the time. Um, And so, yeah, then for me, I think I'm trying to find ways that I can use the tools that I have and be creative and create things that I think will give people some sort of a break from the world and um, just making things that will, you know, give people a platform to talk about how they're feeling, but also to um, give other people entertainment and some levity. Cause I think it's nice to just be able to like be p- with people and be like, God, you know, this does suck. This really does suck. Um, and I think that's yeah. helpful to hear right now. And so then I'm yeah. like, okay, how can I, how can I uh, do that? And then, you know, flex my own, skill set too yeah yeah totally i found that the the creation thing just to continue to riff on that is that like um we started doom tree tv in the same way that we started doom tree anything like none of us knowing what we're doing and just kind of making it happen regardless um and so it's been this really crazy i can't i can't remember if i spoke to you on the last episode jacob but like i'm learning iMovie with Sims on Zoom, he's, like, teaching me how to edit clips from my iPhone. The same way that I was learning how to make beats with POS, who was showing me how to, like, chop samples on the NPC 20 years ago. Um, But even in the stupid little, like, three-minute bit that I recorded yesterday of, like, oh, my God, it's so dumb. Well, I guess it's out now. Uh, But it's called Beak in the Day instead of Back in the Day, and I just, like, wear my fifth-grade Michael Jordan jacket and try to play saxophone. like the making of that clip as stupid as it is gave me that same feeling when I was done with it. Like I did something or I made something. I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. the starting with nothing and ending with something, even if that something is whatever, that's like always in my drive. I, I love seeing something 
there was nothing there and now there is something there and I just think that it's a, the coolest thing and it's been cool to approach it from different angles whether it's with the podcast or trying to make comedy sketches or or even cooking like I'm new to cooking and that has a, a similar feeling it's like okay when I started there was just this mayonnaise and I somehow gotten through touching the mayonnaise creating a sriracha aioli and also a dish that I can eat without the mayonnaise right you know what I'm talking about and and in a few minutes you'll have nothing and then you'll have a healthy milkshake <laughs> that's right exactly right there will not be any mayonnaise in that milkshake I guarantee oh my that. god I would hope not <laughs> it's, it's, it can't happen so I am going to go try to make a healthy milkshake Gabe are there any okay well, a lot of times we do the endorsement deal thing on here where we're like alright if you could be endorsed by anybody and have free whatever they make. What would you do? Who would you Who would you like to be endorsed by? Oh, um, you know, honestly, Peace Coffee, local roaster. I drink a lot of their coffee um, every day. I make like a French press, and it would right. be really cool to have uh, Peace Coffee give me some free coffee. I feel like this one is actually semi achievable if we if we approach from the right angles. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could probably just say things like, you know, like without my peace coffee in the morning, I couldn't focus on being the best person I can be. There we go. Or something. You know, like we'll I, could, I can do voiceovers for them. You yeah. can get that, put some nice yeah. music behind it. Absolutely. We'll put some dramatic sound design music underneath there. That'd be great. Yep. Uh, Dave, thank you, man, for for taking the time and for for calling in. Um, this is our first time doing like a, a phoner. Nightstone, the album, is out, produced by Ice Pep and Laserbeak, featuring Lady Midnight, Sophia Aris, Channy Lena of Blinka, and Mike of Astro Black. Um, one of the, my most favorite albums I've ever been a part of, and I'm so happy that it's out in the world. So give it a listen. Keep on hanging in there. Uh, keep finding the light. And um, have an awesome week. And lots of love to you, Jacob, and to you, Gabe. Yeah, thank you for having me on, and thank you, Jacob, for helping put this all together. Of course. I'll uh, I'll report back on the healthy milkshakes uh, on the next episode. It, it'll be, I'm sure, it'll be, it'll be something. I expect a recipe. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. All right. Have a good day. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Bye.
Oh, no. 